This is Here Arizona, addressing issues, empowering our community. It's an early spring morning. The Arizona House of Representatives is letting out late from a budget session. It's past 2 a.m., and Representative Jennifer Longden is trying to figure out how she's going to get home. Public transportation ends at, you know, a certain time every night. And if you're not able to walk or take a bicycle or an Uber or Lyft, then you can end up stranded. Like, I'm a full-time wheelchair user. My own vehicle wasn't working at the time I was relying on public transportation, and I couldn't take a bus home. I couldn't get into a friend's car. Uh, I couldn't get an Uber or Lyft or a taxi cab at that hour to come here. And so I was left with the option of wheeling myself home. I was fortunate that suddenly a lot of people recognized that Representative Longden, you know, didn't have transportation home. And so House Security got involved and my colleagues got involved and I was well supported to get home that night. But at the same time, a few weeks prior, we still had interns in the house. One of our interns also used a wheelchair. And I learned later on that there was more than once that because of late nights and um, that individual stayed here past the point in time when public transportation ran and that individual ended up finding, you know, a little corner to sleep in their wheelchair overnight because they couldn't get transportation home. I'm Andrea Pasquale. And this is Inaccessible, a Hear Arizona podcast. I'm the director of Sun Sounds of Arizona, a reading and information service for people who can't read because of a disability. I've been working with people with disabilities for over 14 years. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, one in every eight Americans has some type of disability. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention puts that number at one in every four U.S. adults. All of us are a single injury or illness away from joining this particular community. With this show, we're taking a look at the issues people with disabilities face in Arizona. For this first episode, we're looking at transportation. In Phoenix, Valley Metro oversees the area's public transit system. It includes the light rail running through Phoenix, Tempe, and Mesa, along with a network of bus routes that spans Valley municipalities. You know, not having public transportation makes it very difficult. My name is Marcos Castillo. I'm um, C4 through 7 quadriplegic, and a couple years ago I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease, and we currently find ourselves in my backyard in Chandler, Arizona. So, like the neighborhood that I live in, to get to any bus, I have to travel at least half a mile. Well, in 115 degree heat, for somebody who doesn't sweat and can't control their body temperature, that's it, my brain's gonna be foggy by the time I get to whatever interview I was trying to get to, whatever event I was trying to get to. So, um, I call it quadriplegic chess. Everything I do, I have to think at least three steps ahead. For people like Marcos, Valley Metro operates paratransit, a service where people with disabilities can request a ride a day in advance. I set up uh, transportation to Arizona Mills. Um, It was a very beautiful day and I wanted to take advantage of it. So on Friday, um, 
uh, dial a ride took me to Arizona Mills and uh, we had a ride set up for six in the evening. I was like, okay, um, I wasn't feeling too well that day, but I was like, I can handle this amount of hours and then I can get back home and I can do whatever it is I need to do to get me comfortable again. Well, 6.15 rolls around and they're not there. 6.30 rolls around and I know the way the process works, so I start calling them. And they're like, we don't have a driver for you right now. We're not going to have a driver for another half an hour, another hour. My body temperature is already at an uncomfortable level. I'm already starting to feel the effects of um, being shaky and hyperthermia and all this stuff. And Friday wasn't that bad of a day. So um, finally, I end up getting back home about three and a half hours after I should have. And Arizona Mills isn't far from here. Um, right? So what that did was it caused me to have a very miserable night, a very m miserable morning the next morning. And it almost made me miss uh, a family gathering that we were supposed to have in West Phoenix, which Dalaride was also supposed to take me there and bring me back. And the whole day I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm not going to be able to handle being out because somebody didn't pick me up the day before. So these things have ripple effects, right? If, if, if we're supposed to be contributing members of society, that's our job. Their job is to transport us from point A to point B in a efficient and safe manner. The concept is amazing if it worked correctly. Um, there's, I've missed countless, countless uh, doctor's appointments, uh, you know, just trying to be spontaneous with my girlfriend and be like, hey, baby, you wanna go watch a movie and grab something to eat, is a mission. Um, uh, it makes it very hard to uh, be romantic, makes it very hard to tell my kids. I've only missed um, one parent-teacher conference since I've um, had my kids from the ages of two, four, and six. And um, I remember the day that I missed that one, it broke my heart. Um, because I'm the stay-at-home parent, um, you know, I'm supposed to stay on top of these things. And when something out of my control, but because of my disability affects it, it weighs on me. Now, we take every complaint very, very seriously. Every complaint is an individual problem, and we work through them all. Carol Ketcherside is a deputy director for planning and development of Valley Metro. She's also in charge of public transit accessibility. I've actually been in public transportation since 1984. And when I started in public transportation, you really could not board a fixed-route bus without climbing a set of stairs. We, we've come so far since I started in this industry. She says that for the most recent fiscal year, there have been 815 complaints out of about a half a million paratransit trips. We are always trying to get to 100%, but our, we have 1.74 complaints per 1,000 trips that we offer. And this is lower than the national average of three complaints per 1,000 trip, trips. So we are proud of our record, but we are not satisfied with that. We work on every single complaint to work it through. Even a single complaint represents a person with a disability who can't get where they need to go and who might not have any other option. And for Representative Longden, the night she wheeled herself home, paratransit wasn't an option in the first place. The paratransit system that we operate 
by federal law, must mirror the, the public fixed route bus and light rail system. So we don't run the buses 24 hours a day. We don't run the paratransit system 24 hours a day. We would love to do that. It, it's, it's a matter of having the resources available to do that. Every service that we put out there is subsidized through tax funding, and the amount of service that we can put out is limited, unfortunately, by the amount of tax funding that we have available to us. Approaching station, 15th Street in Washington, building 360, exit to right. We were very fortunate to see that when a light rail stop was added right out in front of our location, how much of a difference even that made compared to when individuals had to um, get off the light rail almost a mile away and then uh, come to our, our location. Lauren Worthington is with Ability360. It's an Arizona group that helps people with disabilities be more independent. Anything like transportation is going to be across numerous programs that we offer. Certainly advocacy is going to work with individuals who are trying to develop some transportation skills, trying to learn how to use perhaps the um, public transportation for the first time if they have a new disability or if they're moving to Phoenix. So we'll work with them on the light rail, on Dial-A-Ride, on any of the other city programs that offer transportation. And that's not just offering them referrals. We can actually go with individuals to make sure they understand the safety, the skills required to get on and off with a wheelchair, or perhaps just learning what's the best route, not just for anybody who might be able-bodied, but for a person in a wheelchair who needs to navigate different ways in order to get end up at the same place. Everybody has worth and everybody should have easy access to transportation and be able to move around freely. There's nothing more American than being able to move around and travel freely. And today, this is how the American road looks. The whole nation has become swift and mobile. Flowing along over a great network of highways, more than... Marcos didn't always rely on public transportation. With right modifications, lots of wheelchair users can drive. I've struggled with transportation since I first had the injury. Um, my mom worked her butt off for like three months straight every single day to buy me my first vehicle. For Marcos, having an accessible van meant he could go wherever he wanted to. At least for a little while. Well, it was an older vehicle. It was used. Um, it was um, close to 100,000 miles, and it broke down on me repeatedly. So what I decided to do for my second vehicle was buy the same exact vehicle. So it would break down on me all the time again. But it was the only thing that was within our price range at any um, given time. By the time I met my kids, it became... I became very aware that it was dangerous to be able to tra be transporting children around in a vehicle that could break down in 115 degree heat. Right? And I always make it a point to not let my kids see me in distress. And it was very difficult for me not to be overheating. 
when we would break down, you know, here or there. You know, it's just not fair to put them through those things. These last few times that I've rented a nice vehicle to go and visit family, it was like night and day. Because whenever I felt like I was getting into trouble overheating, I just went into this very nice vehicle and blasted the air. And it was... I was like, my God, where have I been the last 18 years? Why have I been suffering this much? Well, the reason that I've been suffering this much is because I didn't have $40,000 to drop on a vehicle. And, you know, we come from a community that doesn't maneuver the credit system correctly because we were never taught to. Now, when you get into transportation, you have this this terrible irony that the more disability you have, the more expensive it is to get around. That's Lauren Worthington again from Ability360. Trying to uh, afford that, along with everything else that goes with a disability, is almost, it it is one of the most daunting parts about that, and I speak with experience. I had an accident when I was 21 years old, sports-related, And from that, I became a C5-6 quadriplegic. So my uh, legs are paralyzed and portions of my arm are paralyzed. So I use a power wheelchair these days. For me, I drive a minivan that has been completely modified so that the ramp comes out of the side of it and that I roll up into it. And then I have the ability to transfer over to a power driver's seat that then goes forward up into the the driving position, and I have modifications to allow me to drive uh, using hand controls. Today, a brand new minivan costs around $30,000, $35,000, and by the time I was done with the modifications to the vehicle, the price had doubled. One company that makes accessible vans is Vantage Mobility International. At its factory in Phoenix, workers add wheelchair ramps to vans. The process is extensive, and it includes changes to a van's frame and internal wiring. As the vans are moving through this last leg, that's where it's what we call assembly. That's Brian Crow. He's director of manufacturing at the company. So they'll put the van back together, basically. They finish the ramp install, and they'll put all the plastic flaring. They'll put in the seats. And all of the interior plastic, pieces like this right here, um, they need to be replaced because with the floor dropping down 10 inches on the van, everything inside the van is a little bit different. So you can't take all of the original pieces out and put them back in. The range can be anywhere from uh, the mid 30,000s or the upper 30,000s up to $65,000. For people who can't afford to pay for extensive modifications or a new van, there are some options. Here's Lauren again. For, for individuals who want to use transportation as a means to go to work, the first place that you'll probably start looking into is a state agency called Vocational Rehab. They're going to have a counselor that's going to sit down and talk about training, but also transportation. And so they understand that in order to have a job, you've got to be able to get to the job. And they're the ones that can offer assistance in terms of paying for the modifications to a vehicle. 
individuals um, must own their own vehicle. So we don't purchase vehicles. Uh, they do have to own a vehicle that can be modified. Kristen Mackey is with the Department of Economic Security, and she's the person in charge of rehabilitation services. That equipment put into the van, and then what we do is we do some a series of trainings so that the individual that's using that car is then trained to use the various equipment um, safely. They can get themselves in and out of the car um, and use that safely, and then they have to pass the driver's license, um, just kind of the same as everybody else using that modified equipment. And that program is helping Marcos get back on the road. So last Monday, uh, we signed off on everything. Uh, All the adaptations are done to the vehicle. Um, We did all the little tweaks and everything that had to be done. The vehicle is mine. Um, And starting this Friday, I'll start um, on my last 20 hours of driver's training. Then after we do the driver's training, my um, instructor actually is licensed to license me since she's been in the vehicle with me for 40 hours. She knows what I can and can't do. Um, And then I get my driver's license uh, and I get to bring my baby home. (laughs) So yeah, we need to clean up the garage because she's definitely going to get her own room. So I'm not going to stop speaking up about it because even after I get my vehicle, there's still going to be people out there that are struggling with this. And it's not only driving and it's not only having access to public transportation. It's also the fact that able-bodied communities need to understand that it's not only about having the van, right? It's not only about having the bus. It's the fact that the abled community has it exponentially easier because they can hop on an Uber. They can call a friend for a ride. You know, they they have all these options and options are great, but when these things are coming to fruition, they need to also include the disability community from the beginning, not after it's already been implemented. Advocates for people with disabilities recommend having conversations about accessibility being at the forefront and not just being treated as an afterthought. And that's exactly what Representative Longden would like to see. So how do we achieve full community integration? People don't recognize that they're excluding members of the community through their policies and procedures. And while those may seem like the easiest fix, sometimes those are the ones that take the longest to get done. Because I can point out where a handrail needs to go, but I can't always convince you that you need to um, change the way you communicate certain issues. As we continue this podcast, We'll be bringing you more stories of people with disabilities in the Valley looking for access to services able-bodied people take for granted. This has been the first episode of Inaccessible from Here, Arizona. That's H-E-A-R, Arizona. This podcast has been made possible by support from the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust. Since we're a brand new show, please tell all of your friends to check us out. They can search for Here Arizona or Inaccessible on their favorite podcast listening app, Apple Podcasts, 
Stitcher, NPR One, and Spotify. And since our goal is to help empower our community, we want you to be part of the conversation. Follow Here Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. If you want to share your own stories about living life in Phoenix with a disability, just send a note to our producer, Jay McAuliffe, at jmcauliffe at kjzz.org. In this episode, you heard from Ability360. The group has a ton of resources for people with disabilities. And if you need help navigating the Valley's public transit system, they can help out. For more information about that organization and other Arizona nonprofits that assist people with disabilities, head over to our resource page at hearearizona.org. Here Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sun Sounds, Spot 127, Soundbite, KBOC, and KJZZ. This episode was reported, written, and produced by Jay McAuliffe and hosted by me, Andrea Pasquale. Additional contributions from producer Katie Davis-Young. The script for this episode was edited by Carrie Fair-Snyder. Linda Pastore is our executive producer. Thanks so much for listening.